Hi there and welcome back to the ESPN Footy Podcast. Hello, welcome to the ESPN Footy Podcast. We're back for another week. We're officially halfway through the season now, which is unbelievable to think about. But God, there's been a lot of footy to get through, so let's chat about it. Before we get into it, we would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we are recording on today, the Wurundjeri people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. Today, you've got me, Marissa Lodanik, and Marnie Vinyl. It was a really big round. Like we said, there was lots to get through, some really interesting talking points, so we cannot wait to have a chat to you about them. Let's have a look at the results that were offered up this round before we get into the chat. So Geelong finally got their win over West Coast. And, oh, my God, it was an absolute nail-biter. Brisbane flex their muscle over Collingwood with a 24-point win. Melbourne uh, beat the Suns by 12. The Dogs, another winner for the first time. They won over the Tigers by 17 points. Adelaide were dominant over Carlton. They won by 39. North got the win over Frio by 10 points. And the Eagles are finally back to Perth, but they leave with a win after beating the Saints by two. So there's lots to talk about within that range of results. So let's start with some some things that impressed us. So Money, what impressed you this week? I feel like I've been saying Geelong and Adelaide every single week, but Geelong and Adelaide, Geelong's win was so exciting. Eagles really made them work for it. It looked for a second that, well, literally a second um, when it came down to the last minute of the Eagles Geelong game and Eagles got a goal in the last 90 seconds and then they got, you know, the lead for the first time all game and then Geelong just got it back in the last 22 seconds, which is not something you see a lot in AFLW games. So it was so, so thrilling. I feel like my heart was just out of my chest. I really wanted Geelong to get it. It, Eagles did also get their win. I did feel a little bit sad for them um, this game with Geelong when they didn't win, but Geelong and uh, gee, long wait for that one. Um, That's what the people come here for, the bad drinks. (laughs) Had to do it. Literally as soon as they won, I think I texted this to you and I was like, am I allowed to say this on the pod? (laughs) And I was like, yes, this is is very good content. But gee, it has been a long time between drinks for them. It really has. A team that hasn't had to wait long for a win is Adelaide. They are now the only team left unbeaten in the entire comp. So kudos to you, Adelaide. You are absolutely flying top of the top of the um, table, really. And then I also want to talk about Lauren Pierce in the Melbourne game because when it comes to stats, this is a girl to be reckoned with. She racked up twenty disposals, twenty hitouts, eight intercepts, seven clearances, and two contested marks, and that is the most on ground in all of those categories for that game. So that is just incredible. Lauren Pierce, got to have a shout out. The other person that I really want to give a shout out to is Ruby Slicer because even though Collingwood lost to Brisbane by quite a significant margin, Ruby was just really put to task in defence. The ball barely got into Collingwood's forward 50, which means it was basically all in the defensive half and Brisbane just really made them run. But Slash's pressure was incredible. She had five tackles and 17 disposals, but it was really her relentless pressure that was just put on show and so impressive. So I 
also wanted to give a shout out to her. Who impressed you? I had lots of people that impressed me this week. We talked about Geelong's really excellent win. We do need to mention that the Dogs and West Coast also got their first wins in at least over 300 days. So it was a very good drought-breaking kind of round for a lot of teams. And like I said, really nice to see the Eagles after they've had a really shocking couple of weeks, to put it politely, having to be over here in the hub, the COVID kind of outbreak that wreaked havoc throughout their squad, for them to actually finally get a win, I think was just a really nice, oh, good, not everything is bad for you guys. Maybe this is a, a turning point for better times. Um, and the dogs as well on Nathan Burke's birthday, you could see when the siren went, Kirsty Lamb's face just relief and joy it was really lovely to see and I mentioned her because god she was good she was so so good for the dogs and this is the second week in a row where she's one of those players where I feel like she's always been good but the last couple of weeks she's really forced you to kind of take notice and be like no I'm really good actually I'm I'm excellent so she was phenomenal to watch so influential for the dogs Absolutely loved watching her. Bonnie Too Good as well was very, very good in this win for the dogs. The other player I wanted to highlight was Mimi Hill. We speak a lot about ACL, so it was nice to talk about someone coming back from an ACL. And I think the most incredible thing was you always kind of give people who are coming back from an ACL a little bit of grace, a little bit of leeway. You just kind of want them to get through first game unscathed. Mimi Hill was like, no. Don't worry, no stress. 25 disposals, four tackles, a rising star nomination in her first game back from an ACL. Outstanding. Was comfortably Carlton's best on ground uh, against the Crows and just was so, so good. So Minnie Hill for playing excellent footy but for also getting back after the ACL because we know that it's never a fun time it's never a fun injury so it was awesome to see that she just absolutely dominated and was so so good last little one from me going back to Geelong quickly Maloney just bursting out of the pack just like sneaking out like a thief in the night and just all of a sudden emerging like yoink like literally I could hear cartoon yoink I've got the ball I'm kicking the goal it made me laugh it was so so good similar kind of energy Sarah Allen's tackle in the Carlton Crows game where it reminded me of like the classic Dennis Cometti line, you know, snuck up on her like a librarian, just goal-saving tackle was so, so good. And we've got to give a lot of credit to North for kind of stopping the Freo train with their win. Very, very impressive. Did it without Kiara Bowers as well, which is always a nice little thing to have in the back pocket. It made me laugh. They tackled more than their season average without Bowers in the squad, which is not something you probably would have expected, but it's an immense credit to North and what they've done. I I wrote in my notes that they've obviously recruited well, but the way that they've just kind of changed some of the pieces that they already had, it's like they've just given the room a fresh lick of paint and it looks brand new. So really excited to see more of North and what they do as we enter this second half of the season. But let's talk about some other stuff. In your column for ESPN, which you can read on ESPN.com.au, Marnie, you wrote about how it was a bit of an 
inaccurate realm. So do you want to talk to us a little bit about that? I do. So kicking accuracy, I feel like it's it's a problem across the board when it comes to AFLW. It, it's always kind of been like a niggly issue, but this round it was really, really put on show. And it feels like the good teams would just be so unstoppable if they could just improve their kicking accuracy. And then the teams that are on the lower end of the ladder could really be competitive. Richmond registered one goal to seven behinds. Collingwood had one goal to five behinds and Carlton had one goal to six behinds. It would change the entire scoreboard and how we looked at these teams if some of those were just booted a little better. And, you know, we've even got North in there who has been impressing us just throughout this round. They've proven that they are one of the top sides and they had an incredibly inaccurate kicking round they kicked three goals to eight behinds and even though that got them the win it would be a completely different scoreboard if that was just a little bit more accurate and it's even a problem for these top sides so last week Adelaide who despite registering a 14 point victory over at that point the undefeated Melbourne Demons which was very impressive But in the two middle quarters, they kicked a staggering two goals to nine behind. And I want to say when we talk about a team like Adelaide, that's not good enough. They should be kicking so much more accurately. They've got the forwards to do it. They've got the mids who are kicking to the forwards in a way that's giving them the opportunity to have room, to take a moment, to kick those goals to have that many behinds, it's it's really a problem that these teams have got to have got to look at. And so this round, Adelaide again beat Carlton very convincingly, and they finished with a very attractive seven goals to nine behinds, which is still a problem when you've got nine behinds. But I do want to mention that at the start of the fourth quarter, that scoreboard was three goals to nine behinds, and I'm so sorry that I've just thrown so many numbers at everyone but I think it's so important when we talk about the ratio of goals to behinds and the issue that this this is because it's not only important in terms of the score but it is incredibly frustrating as fans especially if you're a fan of one of the teams on the lower end of the ladder and you're just watching your team potentially right on the cusp of being competitive right on the cusp of challenging their opponents but they can't get any goals on the board. It, it's so frustrating. And uh, even though I've just thrown quite a few stats at you, I think you have some more for us, Marissa, on this. I do have some more numbers thanks to our friends at Champion Data. So after I read your piece, Money, and you talked about how inaccurate it felt and just kicking inaccuracy kind of in a wider context, I asked the good folks at Champion Data, was this round unusually inaccurate and they got back to me and they said yes yes it was it was the second least inaccurate well second least accurate round of AFLW ever so the teams collectively were kicking at a percentage of 28.6 in terms of accuracy the only round that was worse was back in 2017 where teams were kicking at a 26.7 percent accuracy 
And it was just like, it really was noticeable across the board this round in particular. So if you thought to yourself, this seems particularly bad, it was. You have the numbers to, to back you up. And I like the the real standout for me this week in terms of that, and I say standout not in a positive context, unfortunately, but Erin Phillips, and I think it was said on the commentary, it was like three or four of the most spectacular behinds you've ever seen, but they were behinds. And it's just, you would put maybe not your house, but you would feel very, very confident about Erin Phillips generally converting those chances. So it was a very bizarre thing to watch but I did just um there was one of her behinds though that I will absolutely just give her credit for where she was on the ground kicked it behind her head and it was very close and a snap like that does get my credit so even though I'm just like these kicks are bad I will uh, I will applaud that that particular behind <laughs> it, it was it was fun to watch but imagine if it was a goal god it, this entire podcast is a our rundown is completely different if she scores that one where it's the the Erin Phillips hour we spend 59 minutes just talking about that honestly but we'll keep talking about forwards and kicking and scoring but in a slightly different context so we've had enough games now to kind of see how teams are playing how players are fitting into certain game styles and things of that nature And we wanted to talk a little bit about forwards, but specific kinds of forwards and just how important they are. So, Marnie, the floor is yours. Talk to us a little bit about the forward line and what kind of players you're really excited by. Yeah, so when it comes to the forwards and the forward lines across these teams, something that I've been noticing is that the teams with more mobile and more athletic forward lines that aren't just tall but also really good at on the ground level are the teams that have been getting more goals and are seemingly doing a lot better. And I just want to use the Brisbane Collingwood game from this round as a bit of an example, because you've got Jesse Wardlaw, Zimmy Farquharson, uh, Emily Bates. They are incredibly fast and mobile and athletic. And so even if the ball doesn't get into their hands, which we're seeing with this kick, kicking inaccuracy, it is a problem. We're, we're not seeing as many marks as in that forward 50 as I guess potentially we would like and would make the game go a lot quicker, uh, in, especially in terms of getting points on the board. So given that, you need to have forwards that can then go collect the ball when it does uh, not not reach the target. And so Emily Bates has a average meters gained of 296.5. In comparison, Collingwood, who didn't get as much on the scoreboard that round, Sabrina Federick has an average meters gained of 48.1. So that's that's quite a big difference. And and I am taking you know the top lions with the bottom uh pies so you know that that is coming into that but but that is such a huge huge difference so when you've got forwards that are running and collecting the ball you're seeing that turnover into goals rather than it it just going back to the other side because we can't rely anymore on just having tall forwards who can just put their hands up and get the ball 
that's it's not happening the pressure means that that's not happening so they've got to be able to go and get it if I there's another there's another player who I was particularly curious about this and that's Ebony Antonio because she has just been getting some remarkable goals this season and a lot of them come from the ground level so she's picking them up and then find them. She's not just being handed them and then kicking the goals. And her average meters gained is 279.3. So she is chasing that ball. She's running after it. And she's getting arguably a lot of goal of the year contentions. So when it comes to these forward lines, they've got to, they've got to do more than just be able to mark and kick. I think it's such an interesting discussion point because I think there is a kind of natural assumption that yes you stick the tall girls up forward and then they'll do the work but I think it is actually a really positive thing that AFLW has evolved in such a way that that game plan became old very quickly or you can still use it but it needs to be only one part of your game plan you cannot have that as your sole sort of route to goal because it's it's not going to work because the whole game is smarter, defenders are taller, defenders are also becoming smarter. Like you don't necessarily need to match a tall forward, you know, centimetre for centimetre. If you're smart enough, you're good with your positioning and things like that. So I think it really highlights a problem where if that's your only route to goal and your only option is kick long, two sabs, sabs tall, sabs grab, and that's not working, then yeah, it's not good. And I'm glad you mentioned Freya because I think they're an excellent example of having a really mobile forward line, but with a couple of good markers within there as well. So they've got that multi-dimensionality. They can find different ways to goal. I think Melbourne's another good example of that where you've got someone tall like Taylor Harris, but she moves as well. So she can crash a pack. You've, if, you know, Lauren Pierce is up there as well. We were talking about her earlier this ep. You've got that height, but then you've also got your smaller or mid-sized players that can move around and find avenues to goal as well. So I think it's a really interesting discussion point and kind of really curious as to how kind of Collingwood address it, if they can address it, because they've only got half a season left to kind of figure it out, which is, you know, wild to think about. I feel some people would mention, oh, maybe, you know, they've lost a little bit in terms of like Bree Davey getting the ball into the forward line and stuff. But I think, it play- again, it plays a role, but it can't be the the sole sort of excuse. So, yeah, really interested to see how it kind of develops in this back half of the season and if Collingwood can find some sort of answer to this question. Yes. Um, but while we're talking about forwards and kicking, I also just want to give uh, an acknowledgement to Richmond captain Katie Brennan, who broke a record with her side's only goal uh, for this round. So it was only one goal for the Tigers, but with it, we got a new record. So Brennan and honestly, a star of the league, she now holds the title for the most consecutive matches with a goal or more. So yay. Very impressive stuff from KB. Unsurprisingly impressive stuff. Richmond's a real weird one for me I was thinking about it while I was watching this game 
Mon Conti continues to just do things, like really unsurprising. But the thing that keeps popping back in my head is after that super impressive round one win for the Tigers, Patrick Dangerfield's tweet about if Richmond can get, get some wins, Moncon is surely very, very in that conversation for best and fairest. And I just keep thinking, does she still kind of factor even though Richmond aren't getting the win? Because I feel like every time I look at Richmond social media, they're like she was best on ground. She's still doing so much work. She's still racking up the stats. So off the cuff question, but do you think she's still in that kind of conversation for best and fairest despite Richmond's results? What's happening to the momentum? Did I get that right? <laughs> You did, and that's basically my question. What is happening to the Moncon Mentum? Um, it's a really good question, and I think that um, kind of across the board we're seeing a lot of really good, strong mids that are racking up so many disposals um, and so many good stats, but their teams aren't performing because I know that Carlton is another one for me where I look at Maddie Presparkis's stats, and we talked about Mimi Hill. She was on fire, but then as a team, they weren't super impressive. So I kind of in my head have Richmond and um, Carlton with the same kind of in the same question mark above those, those sides and kind of like Mon and Maddie to me in those same, same kind of what's going on here. Um, So hopefully we can, we'll have some answers as the rounds develop when it comes to Conti, because yeah, at the end of round one, she was the talk of the town and it was like, who is this superstar who's just, well, not who is because we know who she is, but, you know, look out for this superstar who's going to become best and fairest and just take the team by storm. But then Richmond, they haven't got a win since, I believe. Um, so, yeah, that's not good for the Moncon momentum. It's just, yeah, like I said, it was a real weird one. I just, I couldn't get it out of my head Unfortunately, speaking about Richmond, we do need to mention there's been another ACL tear. This time it was Richmond's Hannah Birchall. It was actually a really awful day for the Tigers in terms of injury. They lost a couple of players. Kate Dempsey and McClelland have also done ankles. So just not a good day for the Tigers. We hope that all of those players are doing well and recover quickly and smoothly without too many interruptions or setbacks but we're not going to go back into ACL chat if you want ACL chat look at our last episode there was a fair bit of monologuing from me about ACL um, injuries minutes? it was seven and a half minutes of I have a lot of feelings about ACLs is my my only defense basically <laughs> um but let's not talk about footy but it's definitely something footy related the border situation is our handy point this week because I think we've all been watching this space with a bit of intrigue if you follow any other codes in this country you also would have been looking at this with a bit of intrigue because basically the story has been most if not all WA based teams no matter what sport you're playing at this current moment in time have been hubbing over in the eastern states because that's what's been needed to get these competitions moving and going and progressing. So it was very interesting that basically Freo and the Eagles were like, we will be over here 
for a set amount of time and then we're heading back and we're going to make it work. And everyone was like, I don't know. I can't see how that works because there was nothing to sort of suggest easy border movement. But both teams are now back home, which we do love to see because it has been, I can only imagine, a very stressful, tough couple of weeks for them. And as we said, with the Eagles in particular, having that COVID outbreak very far from home, can't imagine it was a fun time, but they're both back. And the round six schedule has them both playing at home. Yeah, I believe Carlton are flying in and out. Yeah, so we've got Carlton and Collingwood are set to fly over Mm -hmm. to play the, the Dockers and the Eagles respectively over in Perth. The, the, it seems to be that, yeah, it's we're entering a, a fly-in, fly-out kind of system that's been worked out between the AFL and the WA government, and that is a thing that is going to happen. So it's awesome for the footy season that this has been worked out. It is going to, I assume, raise a couple of questions. We were talking about it only an episode or two ago about, you know, um, flying in at weird times, making the players flying in the middle of the night, same day flying. We know that that's previously been a kind of concern and issue. So I'm interested to see how that evolves. But I think also just as someone who watches and follows a couple of other sports, you may know me from ESPN's The Far Post podcast, a a women's soccer podcast. It's very interesting as to how these border rules that have been created for the footy, are they going to be replicated across other leagues? Because there's a lot of sports people, there's a lot of athletes who have been on the eastern states for a lot longer than the footy girls as well. I think the, the Perth Glory women's team have been here since January. The men's team, I think, has been here even longer. So I'm really, really curious as to how the AFL has managed this when it seemed like it was very much mission impossible to get teams in and out of WA. So very curious, delighted, like I said, so, so happy for the footy girls that they are back home because, I, like I said, can only imagine it's been a really shocking couple of weeks for them, but really curious as to how this kind of plays out for the rest of the footy season but also for the other codes. Yeah, and I'll start with my appreciation and gratitude for Frio and Eagles uh, to come over here for, you know, a few weeks to be uh, on the road and then it turns out it's longer. Um, They've got home lives in Western Australia and also just being on the road is quite an exhausting thing to be and be living in a hub, so very grateful for them. And I've been seeing that gratefulness across social media from other uh, players from other clubs, and that is just so beautiful. We love AFLW and the, uh, you know, we're all doing it together kind of mentality that can be seen. That's that's really awesome. I Watching uh, Hayley Miller's stories when they were flying home made me so exhausted when she finally just put up, uh, like, on her stories, like a bed and was like finally home and my whole body just like felt that exhaustion for that entire team. They've done so much to keep this competition alive and we're all very thankful for it. But when it comes to these broad border issues, my goodness, complicated and just 
just it feels like so many balls are in the air no one's there to mark them um I was follow I was following the story with a little bit of um annoyance I guess just because a lot of the mainstream media were just talking about the men's um so you know in my morning news podcast it was like well the AFL uh currently you know negotiating about these borders because the men's comp is about to start um and then my whole body was kind of you know rightly annoyed with that because well we're currently dealing with the women's comp and that's underway and these teams are currently dealing with those issues you know I'm, I'm pretty sure Frio are in Airbnbs not even at their own homes at the moment because they've got a quarantine like that's bananas um as if they aren't exhausted enough and how that works with team cohesion I saw on their social media they had like a whole team on zoom to be back on zoom with that like game match stuff I don't know how they're doing it but now, yeah, so in the women's, we have this like fly in, fly out kind of situation. And I love the lingo of fly in, fly out. It's just part of our everyday conversation now. I love all this new terminology that's coming in. Fly in, fly out situation, um, which is great to keep the com- uh, the competition alive and going. It's, I'm, I'm sure there's a few sighs of relief as well when that was announced. But what does this mean for everyone else? What does this mean for these other codes? I'm sure that there's a lot of people watching on to this situation, feeling pretty frustrated, feeling pretty homesick, feeling pretty sad. I, uh, you know, shout out to Sam Kerr, who hasn't been able to get home to Perth for so many years um, and is, you know, constantly putting on Instagram stories. Uh, her heartbreak when it comes to that. So keep an eye on border issues. I'm sure we have not seen the last of them. I think another little thing, and I hope it doesn't eventuate, but just obviously we're still very much dealing with COVID. There's still very much potential for games to be rescheduled and stuff. If any of that kind of trickles over into the the border situation as well, that's a whole different kettle of fish, which just doesn't sound fun at all. But we will watch with interest and I think, it's going to be really lovely, I reckon, those those games at, you know, Frio's home game and West Coast home game, just that roar of the crowd that they're allowed to watch their team in their own backyards. I think that's going to be a really lovely special moment, but we'll watch this space. It'll also be really interesting, I think, to see how West Coast performs at home because they've only clocked one win on the board so far, and I think a lot of We've given them a lot of concessions because of how much their side has been disrupted with COVID, with hubs, with being on the road. So it, it'll it'll be really interesting, I think, to see how they perform to a home crowd. Keep an eye on that. I think that's a very excellent point because also, like, they definitely weren't bad against Geelong and they were obviously winners against St Kilda. They come up against Collingwood. So I'm very... Like either Collingwood's all of a sudden gonna rediscover something that they've that they've been missing the last couple of weeks, or West Coast have learned something, are gonna restrict them to very few points once again. How are win. you tipping it? Oh, um <laughs> <laughs> just to put you on the spot. Um who's got the who's got the win? Oh, do you know what? I feel like my brain's still going to tip Collingwood just as yeah, like same. a safety blanket. But if West Coast do win, I won't be some, I'll like happily cop that that X in my tipping. Tipping this week was not good. Uh, 
not yeah not not my favorite but I don't think did you have a good round this round I can't even tell you (laughs) I feel like I'm so behind the ball when it comes to tipping I get really excited when I put them in but then I forget who I've tipped and often I'll instantly and often I'll be watching games and I'll like pat myself on the back and then I'll go to check and no I've tipped the other team actually (laughs) yeah oh goodness yeah it's love tipping don't love how it makes me look to be honest but let's talk about these round six fixtures so we've got the suns and the cats which i'm very excited about we Mm -hmm. have richmond hosting north the d's will take on the giants freo will welcome carlton to perth saints and lions will do battle on sunday then the eagles will host the pies as we just mentioned and then adelaide will welcome western bulldogs to norwood oval so any of those fixtures tickling your fancy suns geelong definitely definitely i think coming into the season they were both touted as bottom sides they've proven their competitiveness suns have racked up two wins geelong have racked up one I don't even know how I would tip this. I reckon Suns. I'm just so on this Perco Bahana train. I'm tipping Suns for that. But I'm so excited for that. I, I really feel like it will be a tight tussle. Um, I hope it goes down to the wire. That's such an exciting one. Um, who else am I really excited for? Oh, you know what? I'm actually really keen for Dockers Carlton. No, we've been talking about the problems that are existing in Carlton and that they just don't seem to be clicking. I'm hoping by the end of the season we will see at least something happening there. Um, in the past season, it was, a real, it was the second half that Carlton got into their groove, which was too late. They ended up seventh um, on the ladder, didn't make finals, but they did start to get momentum the second half of the season maybe that'll happen again uh I'm keeping my eye on Carlton because I don't I'm not discounting them um but going up against Frio is definitely a hard one I do think Frio will have this one their pressure is relentless their forward line is incredible even without Bowers back uh I think they've got that in the bag but I am excited to see what Carlton can do against the top side regardless couldn't agree more the I keep looking at the Suns Geelong one and I feel like that's going to be a situation where I will submit my tips, say maybe Thursday morning, and then I'll change them Thursday afternoon and then I will change them Thursday night. And I may also change them Friday morning and I will just keep flip-flopping between Suns and Geelong because I really feel like it's going to be maybe a bit of a coin flip as to who actually ends up winning this. So very excited to watch that. Should be a cracking game. I'm looking at some of the other fixtures and I feel like a lot of them feel particularly obvious. So like I would expect North to beat the Tigers. I would expect Melbourne to beat the Giants. I really think the Eagles-Pies game, I feel like it could be interesting if the Pies continue this kind of inaccurate, low-scoring brand of footy they seem to be producing these last couple of weeks. And if West Coast are kind of high on the win, high on being home, just ready to kind of run out and do the thing at home, I'm really curious as to what we might actually end up seeing in that game. 
Also, we'll keep an eye on Crows Dogs. I do think the Crows are going to win, but I'm, I look at that more as a how far off the pace are the dogs rather than are the dogs going to challenge for the crow, uh, challenge the crows in a, in terms of the scoreboard. But yeah, really, really interested about that, that battle of the birds. I was, I was literally just about to say as a writer, I just love things like battle of the birds. And as you were talking, I was like, yes, it's eagles versus magpies. I'm so glad you said that. (laughs) The birds. I love that so much so because like sometimes like my silly little brain does just think about these animals against each other they're like tigers versus kangaroos like obviously a tiger would beat that in real life i don't know this is probably so uninteresting but i think about it all the time besides the battle of the birds we obviously cannot wait for this next round of footy. We cannot wait to talk to you about it next week. Don't forget to check out Marnie's pieces on ESPN.com.au, but we'll see you next week to chat more footy. Listen to all the latest episodes by subscribing to the ESPN Footy Pod, wherever you get your podcasts.